All right. Welcome back to the DC Yoga Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Parkinson. Tonight in the studio, we have Michael Joel Hall. Michael teaches yoga from a place of long-term study and continued learning. Internationally recognized but grassroots-oriented, he is the director of DC Ashtanga, a Mysore-style Ashtanga yoga program in Columbia Heights, DC, and owner of Mid-City Yoga, a small business specializing in in-house yoga instruction. Michael is a level two authorized Ashtanga yoga teacher and accreditation coming from the Ashtanga Yoga Institute directed by Sharat Joyce in Mysore, India. Michael has a great love of the vast field of study that is yoga, an interest that is invaluably supported by his teachers, David Garigas. There we go. And Rolf Naljakot. Much better. <laughs> Michael also is indebted deeply to the love and care that was put into his practice early by Christina Mays in the Sivananda tradition and Kristen Crash in the Iyengar method. Michael grew up in a rural farming and fishing community and did his undergraduate work in integrative studies, focusing on communications at George Mason University. He is also has a background in comedy club hospitality that makes him think he's funny, but he really isn't. And with that... Nice work. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, Michael. How are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. How are you today? Good, good. So actually, I wanted to uh, let all listeners know that in, in a lot of respects, this whole podcast started... Uh, from a conversation that uh, that Michael that you and I were having one day, um, and uh, uh, in the presence of of my girlfriend, and you know you and I were just sort of talking for about twenty five minutes, like on the sidewalk um, outside of Cali Yoga, and like I I think both of us were just sort of like so into it, we didn't even really like realize that my girlfriend was standing there, <laughs> and then like after we both kind of like turned to her and we're sort of like. We're so, we're so sorry. Like we didn't mean to do that, you know? And, and, and like, instead of being like, you know, well, I don't know how she would actually react, but she was like, no, that was like fascinating. Like that was really cool. Like I I really was into that. And so I was like, I thought to myself, well, maybe some other people might be into it too. Like if just like me and Michael talked about yoga for a little bit, like maybe that could be a thing. So that kind of like gave me the germ of, you know, the, the idea that, that maybe we should talk about the DC yoga scene. You know, I uh, I'm heartened by this. I I think that yoga is so much relationship, and this place, One Love Massive, where we're recording right now, uh, I've known the founder and director of One Love Massive since I was 20. Uh, I I met her at a bar in in Dupont Circle. She uh she yells over to me like, Skippy, Skippy Dippy, the trippy hippie, and I had like long hair, and I was working at a comedy club at the time. And that was actually my nickname at the comedy club, a, a boy with many names. Uh, I didn't know her, and I was not the Skippy she thought that I was, but the coincidence was so crazy uh, <laughs> that we became good friends. And she's taken her interest in uh, grassroots organization and artist support uh, and collaboration and created this facility um, so that people like us can come in. Uh, it's good yoga, man. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, local local businesses supporting like this was sort of you know there's there's plenty of podcasts out there that will tell you how to you know sequence your classes plenty of podcasts out there that will talk talk about you know the bhakti sutras and you know get really into the philosophy and stuff but uh, i didn't really find that there was a there was a podcast here in dc that was sort of specifically designed around people practicing yoga in dc that's so great it's so to my taste um so let's start at, let's I guess let's start at the beginning. Do you do you remember your first yoga class? Oh, I do. Um 
I was uh, 19, and I I had been working for a nuclear non-proliferation nonprofit. It was one of my very first little internships. I, like I uh, as you do at 19, as you do at 19, <laughs> it, you know, going door to door asking for money, canvassing for uh, to. God, to stop bunker buster these like low yield nuclear impact weapons and I can still remember the script you know that I was giving and this one lady at the end of one of my long days invites me in gives me some tea and cookies she donates some money this is all such a win um, and she's a yoga teacher at a studio that's now defunct in Georgetown called Spiral Flight um, she invited me and I drug my feet a little bit but you know in what was it, 2001, 2002, Yoko was still a little little weird. Madonna's Ray of Light album had only been out for so long. Um, it Certainly as a fresh, uh, uh, a six foot three country white boy at George Mason University, going taking a yoga class, um, it, it was, they hadn't passed the granola standard yet. Um, <laughs> and I like that kind of weird. So I was like, okay, I'll go. Um, and I went and I remember doing just like a twist. Like I now I, I know it to be like Artemis Andrasana, but uh, just wrapping my body around itself. And I had never felt that feeling before. I'd never done anything quite like that. Um, and I thought I, I thought maybe there was something to it. And so I would take a yoga class every couple of months. Uh, and I thought that I was like into yoga. So this was like something you did like during college or was it? Was, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I, uh, and then I, I moved to Logan circle and there's a, a gym that was called Thomas circle sports club. Now it's balance gym. And I, I, I went to a yoga class there. I was like 20 going on 21, maybe give or take. Um, so not, not so long after. And there was this wonderful yoga teacher who played these like Bollywood remixes of, of different songs. And her name was Christina Mays. She, uh, she has a Shivananda on the background, but I didn't know any of this. She sent me home with like a, a, a vegetarian cooking worksheet. She chanted at the end of class and I was like, yo, this lady is weird. Um, <laughs> I loved it. And my buddy Mark could do crow pose and I couldn't. And I was like, well, listen, I'm going to best market this yoga stuff. And so I went back until I could. And Mark was like, I've had enough of that yoga. Thanks. And I, I didn't. And I, I still haven't. That's fantastic. That's that's actually a fantastic story. That reminds me so much of my own, my own introduction to yoga, where I looked around and was like, "All right, that skinny little bitch is doing something on her elbows with her feet in the air. Uh-huh. I can do that. I'm a man. I know I can do that too." Right. <laughs> it's uh, like totally ego driven in all its sense, right? Absolutely. Um, but like the body is such a wonderful tool for. I, I mean, I was still. I, I don't know what has come online in my development into adulthood uh, that that is directly the yoga and what is simply a process of, of aging, you know, because they've gone so hand in hand. Um, but I I loved the physicality and the play of it to 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 feel how to move. Like having a sports background, um, it never really felt like play. Um, yoga had had an element of. Uh, of something that was non. What did it feel like? Ex- expectation to win. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, as a, I was an offensive lineman, and and you have roots that you have to run. There's a memorization, and there's a there's an execution that has to happen on the fly. Um, and there is a bit of that in yoga. Um, except that that like, well, you don't lose anything if if you don't happen to execute. So it became a safe space, um, to explore like the mind body organism. Uh, and I had no idea how much I needed that until I started to get it. Yeah. 
So when did you when did you finally say like all right? So was it in Christina's class where you were finally like okay like this is awesome like I get it now or or, or was that still just like the 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 early days? Oh man, what do you what do you mean get right? Like there's so many. I'm still getting it. Um, like, Good answer. It's the truth. I um I remember the first time that I thought maybe I could teach a yoga class. Um, that I thought that I had something to offer. And Christina, I had been taking class regularly for four or five years at this point. Um, and and Christina missed a day, and the sub was in, and I was like, this sub fucking sucks. Uh, <laughs> the sub probably did not suck. Um, it's just like that, you know how it is. Well, yeah, because you're like addicted to like Christina's way of teaching, and yeah. you're like, this person is not Christina. Like, what is she doing here? Like, That's not how Christina would do that. Yeah. Um, and, and in my head, I'm like, well, I could do it how Christina does it. I know exactly what Christina does. I was like, why didn't Christina ask me to teach this class? Um, and then pause, break, like, wait a minute. Wait, maybe 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 you should offer to be of service or maybe this is a thing that you can do you should ask christina how you become a yoga teacher because we didn't have yoga teacher trainings at yoga studios yet mm. that wasn't i mean it was beginning to be a thing but it was maybe in the baptiste kind of style over at like uh one of the one of the studios that that focus on that but you don't have the the mimi riger tts you don't have the abby dobbs trainings like at every pop-up place um yoga works hadn't franchised out yet um so it just wasn't there and so she was like you go study with the swamis um, and, and so I said, okay, what? <laughs> and, and there's a teacher training on Paradise Island with the Shivananda yogis. They have an ashram there. Um, so I, I lived in a tent for a month and some change and I, I learned yoga and I thought that I went cause I wanted to learn how to do a better forearm stand and to teach other people how to do better forearm stands. And, and in fact, what I got was all of the Kriyas, all of the chanting, all of the sutras, all of the Gita. Um, this is what we got. Um, and we learned how to teach 12 asanas. And uh, I thought it was a cult. I was like, what have I gotten myself into? And I wanted to run. Um, but on some level, these are the, the, I knew that these were people who had dedicated their entire lives um, to to helping other people understand better the self and the spirit. And, and for whatever it was worth, that was worth my time. And I liked practicing in, in a spiritual community. Um, and so that's what I did. And Christina prepared me very well. She gave me her meditation pillow to take. Um, and, and I went and I, I didn't jump the fence and leave the cult. Um, if you're going to live in a tent somewhere, the Bahamas is that's Great. a really nice place, right? Yeah, yeah. Can we do it now? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was like a it was like a month long like intensive mm -hmm. where it was like sun up to sundown. You're doing yoga, you're reading, you're practicing asana six six hours a day, like that type of thing. Uh, not the asana six hours a day. The the spirituality and the philosophy about six hours a day. That's um, great. Two hours in the morning of meditation and satsang, so chanting and meditation, and two hours in the evening with a talk. Um, you know, probably about four hours of asana, two hours here and then two hours there, and then something in the middle of something. Um, uh, along with all of your side work, all of your, what do, what do they call it? Seva, your karma yoga. Um, yeah. and I was the island's trash man. So I had to go around and collect all the trash and throw it on the boat and then take the boat to the other island where we That sounds like a it. fantastic yoga teacher training. It, uh, so, you know. Or at I, least experience. It was a great, well, here's the thing. I learned what yoga was. Um, I learned that yoga is a thing that, and, and that that is a thing that, that, that you should be careful with, um, when you're talking about it, um, because it already is a thing. So don't go make it another thing. Um, right. and so if you want to teach the thing, you, you got to know what it is. And 
if you don't know completely what it is, um, then you need to know what it isn't. Um, so that you're not teaching something that is antithetical to the practice of yoga, so that um, even in your own ignorance, because um, we're all working from a place of not knowing to some degree, um, hopefully to a large degree, um, that, that you're not that you're not putting planting bad seeds in future practitioners that are going to be hard to shake later. So maybe we can like briefly break down what the thing is, like the yoga. Um, maybe, maybe not focus so much on what it isn't, but maybe on what it is like for you anyway, or what, what, what would you say the thing is, you know, when you say like teach the thing, what do you mean? Um, well, yoga, yoga is a state of being, uh, so yoga is a state of being and I lean a little bit more into a non-dualistic thought on, uh, of yoga, uh, meaning that, uh, we're all the same. It's all, we are you, you get real up close on it, we look different. You back up far enough away, and in fact, we're all one one big thing. Uh, and yoga is a state of being um, where you are are almost boundaryless, where where you have a, a deep understanding that 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 all living creatures have a have a a harmony and a symbiosis that is same same. And and being in that that place of oneness uh, is yoga. Um, and, and that's what we're practicing at, uh, to enter into uh, a state of empathy and compassion where, where we want for all living creatures what we want for ourselves, and what we want for ourselves is non-suffering. Right. So maybe we can just, we could take a little break here and dork out if okay. you want. All right. So, uh, so we mentioned this, uh, this non-dualist um, uh, view of yoga. Uh-huh. Um, so for those of you who are, who are maybe not into the yoga philosophy, can you, you want to talk a little bit about non-dualist? I'm happy to, if you don't mind. Uh, <laughs> uh do you want to talk, tell me all about Vedanta, Chris. Well, so, so, okay. So for non, non-dualism, uh, so in an, in a spiritual practice, um, we would consider the thing or in a religious practice, you would consider the thing, um, that you are worshiping versus the thing that, uh, the worshiper, Right. And so in a non-dualist uh, uh, spirituality or religion, the, that would mean that ultimately the worshiper and the worshipped are one single thing. They aren't dual. There aren't two. So in other words, um, for the most part, the Judaic religions like um, well, the Judaic religions, Islam, uh, Judaism and Christianity uh, are dualist religions in a lot of ways. There is a God and then there is a soul or, or us on earth and they are two separate things in a non-dualist tradition. They are, there is no distinction. Um, and so yoga from a non-dualist tradition is the process of breaking down the illusion that there is separateness into um, the idea that, that we are the same. That's good stuff. And, you know, I would say that, uh, that, that in fact, yoga is a religious, um, there is room inside of this, this harmony, um, for, for those that prescribe to a, to a Judaistic faith, specifically that inside of everyone is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, there, there is no, no real, no real problems, uh, outside of, organization uh between between it yoga is free of tradition because it is a state of being it's free of it's free of dogma um and it kind of has to be it's free of bias these are the conditions of uh th this is conditioning on side of us these biases and so um in fact in order to we have to eschew all of it to get into that state of yoga um there's that 
there's the old adage about having the raft to cross the river of suffering. And so we, we use religion or, or, or yogic practice to cross this river. And when we're on the other side, if we're still carrying that raft, we're just carrying a load for no reason. We haven't really gotten it yet. Um, and I happen to like yoga as a philosophy um, and, and Vedantic philosophy, although I, I do lean towards Samkhik texts quite a bit because I love the yoga sutras. I love the way that they're outlined. Um, but nonetheless, uh, I, as far as as um, the Vedanta goes, as far as, as being on the other side of the river, I, um, I don't feel born of original sin. Um, I didn't come into this world um, already fucked up. Uh, I came into this world perfect, and I'm already perfect, and so are you. In fact, it's all perfect. We're all made of God stuff. We're star stuff, man. Carl Sagan had it right, and I'm <laughs> into it. Um, and, and so what I find is that in this life and in these relationships that I've had, I have forgotten my own godliness um, in many, many ways, my own infinite potential. And uh, so much of yoga practice is, is stripping away that which does not serve me. And that which doesn't serve me is the stuff that limits my infinite potential. Um, and it all comes from the inside, even though it feels like it came from the outside to this way, because again, it's all as far as I'm concerned, one thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I lean into yoga practice for. And um, we've talked about advanced asana um, and, and, and a reason to approach it. Um, and I don't approach advanced asana necessarily uh, because I, I have a desperate need to bend over and backwards and catch my knees. Um, I like taking stabs at the impossible on a daily basis. That's a great reason to do advanced asana. I mean, um, when you focus on the journey instead of the trophy at the end, that is always that is always good work. The end. So this is a this is a great time in in, in American history to 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 look at ends and means. Like, do the ends justify the means? And yoga is specifically um, uh, not about the 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 ends. It is all about the means. And in fact, the means are the end. Uh, and and wrapping our heads around the paradox of going about a thing for the just for the sake of doing the thing. Uh, you know, the Buddhists have been wrestling with that for a long time, too. These are universal truths. It's all just the work. Right. So as I like to kind of say uh, sometimes in my classes that, um, that the Buddhists are right, that life is suffering. And what creates everybody's character is how they respond to that. I, I, in a lot of ways. I could not agree more. I think a lot about valor, um, sure. and character, frankly, but valor a lot. Valor, we don't get an opportunity to show our valor until no one is watching and the times are really tough. Um, and so you, you might think that you have developed that into your character and, and you may not have. And on your mat, when you're practicing, when no one's looking, and you know, this is one of the reasons that that I recommend people self-practice so much, get, get out of going to classes and get on your mat and learn how to do it yourself. Um, because then you get a real look at what you're made of, um, not when someone else is watching you. Because if you're doing it because someone else is watching you, um, how do you know how you're going to behave when no one is? And this is maybe where the Jesus folks got, got it good, because they're like, well, Jesus is always watching. Uh, well, all right then. Well, <laughs> um, But if you're already Jesus enough inside, you can watch yourself. And, and I think that's practicing like an adult. 
Yeah, and I mean it. It's got to be. It's also got to be said that, um, at least in my own reading of yoga, um, that like, yoga itself is is not a religion, right? Religions yeah. religions are sort of defined by dogma, defined by institutions, um, defined by this is right, this is wrong. At least in the Western sense that we're so used to, uh, that yoga um, is totally compatible with every world religion in totally. fact in fact you can find most practices when we talk about bhakti yoga in almost every religion in the world right this idea of ritual this idea of whether it's singing songs or a prayer that you say every time that you um that you uh that you that you practice right? these are all variations on it can be found in, in yoga um and that actually the first um yogis that came over to the united states from india uh, put a, a really big premium on describing how uh, yoga and Christianity and Judaism um, are, um, how they can flourish together, right? That your practice of yoga strengthens your faith if you're a Christian, it strengthens your faith, faith if you're a Muslim, it strengthens your faith if you're, if you're Jewish. Um, and it's not, it's not supposed to be a, um, something to do instead of those things, right? So there's no conflict there usually. Um, that's the way I like to look at it. It's how I look at it also. Yeah. Um, so let's go, let's, let's rewind a little bit. All right. You're doing all this yoga. You went to teach your training. You're all set. You're practicing, you're teaching yoga now in DC at balance or, or another place. Where did you start teaching? Um, I actually, Christina Mays gave up her Wednesday night class at, at, uh, Thomas Circle Sports Club, now balance gym, uh, and gave it to me so that I would have a class on the schedule somewhere. Um, uh, and I taught that, and I eventually started teaching in corporate facilities. I, I was at the International Monetary Fund. A friend of a friend uh, taught there. They, they're very picky about their yoga there, and and she thought that I would be an okay fit. So I went in, and it was a good fit. Uh, and they did take their yoga pretty seriously, and I I, I take my yoga pretty seriously, so it, it was good. And I was I was young. Uh, I think I was maybe like twenty. Five, twenty-six, something like this, uh, and and so I had some levity on me and uh, inside of it too, and and they responded well inside of that very uptight culture. And as it turns out, I started to feel like a, a subversive agent of change inside of these. Isn't which, it cool? It was so cool. I was like, I am bringing these things that are going to help save the world to, <laughs> to, to to these places, and um, and also the money was great. Uh, and I didn't get stuck inside of uh, studio politics, uh, which I saw very strongly. It was about uh, I saw uh, I saw that it it was very hard for a lot of my peers to make ends meet and maintain their practice uh, if they weren't married with someone who had a significant income on their own or or if they weren't doing this just like one or two classes a week. And even then, they were oftentimes losing their practice in the interest of teaching. And so by going into these places um, where the numbers didn't matter because it was a, a captive population um, and and paid well enough that I was able to, to make a living. When what, what year was this about? Oh, I don't know. 2000 and seven maybe yeah because the reason why i would ask was was because besides christina what other instructors are still teaching these days that were around back then oh um, a little bit of dc like you know yoga history oh, here um keith moore 
is still teaching. He's teaching Ashtanga Yoga in the Palisades at the Ashtanga Yoga Studio. Um, Mimi Riger is is still teaching. John Schumacher is still teaching. Uh, and and uh, John Schumacher and Keith Moore uh, have been at it. John Schumacher is, is world-renowned. It's, a, it's, a, it's amazing that we have someone of his status in this town. Um, yeah, John, if you're listening... Feel free to join us anytime. Yeah, John, come on out. I want to listen. I want to listen to you talk too, brother. Um, uh, he's such an ice queen. I love hearing him talk. Uh, yeah, no. Who else though? Hey. Well, that's what that's sort of what I was getting at was that was that like this this town and yoga teachers and I don't and I don't know what to subscribe it to. It seems like like teachers will teach an awful lot and then burn out or get disinterested or. You know what I mean? There's not this sort of like. Oh, this long... is a this is a predatory industry. So the, there is a uh, there is a there is a labor uh, inequality here that is so notable. My I my heart goes out to the young teachers. Um, I. Uh, I teach Ashtanga Yoga, as you know, and so I teach one-on-one in a group setting daily. And and so I see people um, at their own pace and time come in and go, and they memorize their sequence. Uh, and so when they need help, when they come in, I facilitate. When they don't, I leave them alone, typically. Um, and a lot of people who, who come in and do that are already yoga teachers. And so I hear what's going on out there quite a bit. And I don't know how they're making ends meet. They're making less than I was making when I first started out, which is shocking. Um, uh, because, you know, as a freelance employee who is now being hired as, uh, as a, excuse me, as an independent contractor, the work is basically independent contract work. Um, you're freelancing from place to place, but they make you almost always work as an employee. So they also take your taxes, which limits a, uh, your, your write-off ability. Um, they only pay you for the hour that you're there, even though, of course, that is not the amount of work that you're doing for it. You're working at least two hours for every hour, and they're not paying you for it. And you're either getting paid per head, and so those that have uh, have a strong practice of their own and want to teach to maybe uh, smaller population, special interests to lower the barrier to entry for those that might feel othered by the group settings, they're not going to get paid well enough to teach those classes. And and so they're being shoehorned into, into these uh, pack-a-men classes in order to make money for the studio. And I get it. Rent's high. You got you to gotta get people in. Um, but then they don't pay their teachers enough. And then the teachers have to work 25 classes a week, which um, if you're doing actually two hours of work for, for every hour that you're working, that's 50 hours a week you're working, and you're still making less than 40000 a year. You can't live on $40,000 a year uh, in this city and live in a neighborhood where it's easy enough for you to make the commute from class to class to keep those 25 hours. So you have people living in group houses. You have t- people who aren't sleeping enough. Um, and, and there's a... There, there's a well of willpower that we all have. And so it's no wonder that that well runs dry, their practice suffers, and they're chewed up and spit out. And the studios are making money off the back of this unpaid, unskilled labor. Um, hmm. uh, and, and then there's off there, out there selling teacher trainings also to pad their bottom line even further um, so that they can create more unskilled, underpaid labor. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back out into the market so that they can keep chewing them up and spitting them out um, without fostering uh, relationship, without, without, without really having the best interest of the student in mind. They turn students into dollar signs um, so often. It's a really tough industry. So, you know, I mean, and, uh, the, I guess I would like to add, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you just said, um, but it's also because I also have a lot of experience from the studio 
uh, side itself. I've also seen a lot of yoga studios really run as pretty poor businesses. And, and to kind of point that out, how many, how many studios are still around from the time you started practicing yoga back in 2002? Um, Down Flo- Dog? Down Dog, Flow Yoga Center, right. Hotspot DuPont, which is formerly uh, Bikram Yoga DuPont. Um, the Studio DC franchise is, uh, has been around for, for some time. They have a number of, of them. Um, and that's really about it. I would say Yoga Works also, but not Yoga Works, excuse me, um, the mini Yoga yoga District. Yoga District. Uh, and yeah. maybe even Tranquil Space. Was Tranquil Space around back Tra- then? Tranquil Space has been around just about 15 years also. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we're talking about a handful of, of studios here and then plenty of studios that have sort of come and gone and little yoga studios come and gone. And it's just, it, it's a hard business to make it as a yoga studio owner. So it's So it is, you're correct, there is a lot of exploitation that goes around. But also as a studio owner, the profit margins are so slim um, in this industry that um, that, that's yeah. a that's a it, hard it just, thing for me to wrap my head around because I you know I I worked briefly inside of a a, a multi unit uh, yoga studio a local chain and I was the director of operations for a period of time and I see the margins they're not that bad I don't know what's going on well multi chain. Uh, right. And so, but they're, but what they were doing is going into, they were, they were doing what everyone should freaking do, which is keep the overhead low. Um, and, and then what I would hope would happen is pay well. Um, that's that's not typically what happens, although God bless you, Flow Yoga Center, you do a good job over there. Um, they do, they do, uh, it's tricky business. The rent in the city is so high. Um, and And that was the other thing I was going to point out the rent itself. Because I've I've looked into you know opening yoga studios yoga studios before and the rents that they're asking I'm like th- I I couldn't you, you just can't do it you so, know what I mean like you just can't do it it's really hard it's no, really hard DC Ashtanga is in residency at Kali Yoga Studio one of the things that we've made work um, is running a business within a business uh, they the hours are slower in the morning the the overhead is manageable for them and so I run my own program out of there so I basically sublet uh, and and it works out great because the overhead stays relatively low um so that i can i can do the work and it stays small what i see happening in in a lot of yoga studios is an interest in customer service um and providing an experience for individuals and that just seems very antithetical to yoga um yes i understand that things need to open on time yes it's nice to have uh, amenities but at the end of the day um, teaching yoga, um, you don't need towel service. You don't need to be in a glass front property uh, in the hippest new neighborhood in town. It's going to get a lot of people in, but are you going to teach any yoga in that facility? Or, or are you going to be just taking dollars out of fists? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the rub, is that you do need to provide something that your competitors aren't to get people to come in. I mean, I think we all went through, do you remember this couple, it's about five or six years ago, the whole Groupon madness that went they went around, mm-hmm. where it was, every studio was offering, you know, you can have 10, 10 yoga classes for $30, and there were classes with like, at like the place I was practicing at Stroga, there were classes with like 80 people in them. Stroga is not around anymore. 
you know, and it was and a part of it was because they were selling so many of the Groupons that was their main revenue source. But at, by the end of the day, that that business model dried up. The revenue wasn't coming in because everybody had already had the Groupons. Wait, you don't think the rent at fourteen thousand dollars a month for that ballroom space wasn't the reason that that fourteen thousand dollar a month rent in that ballroom space wasn't the reason for it to to close? I actually I heard the rent was about twenty seven thousand. Twenty seven thousand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, but that's another part of it. In other words, if you have eighty people each paying three dollars to go there you're not making much money whereas if you have 80 people paying 20 dollars to go there okay then maybe you're doing it but at 20 dollars you're not having 80 people in your class right and yeah. so that's sort of like the trade-off um we I, I i i i worry for the health although not really the long i i want the barrier to entry to to yoga to to come down lower and lower so i love having core power yogas come in because it's going to help people get their feet wet i love yoga at gyms because it's going to introduce practice to people um and that same subversive thing like um if you have a taste for for insight practice you will find the insight practice presuming that your teacher knows how to skew you just a little bit in the right direction and you'll want more of it and you'll go find it i have no doubt about that i eventually found Kristen crash in the i uh practicing in the iyengar tradition uh at boundless yoga at 15th and you um because i wanted more and i wanted it more often and i wanted and i i I wanted someone to to help guide me a little a little with a with a steadier hand and I found someone like that. I worry um inside of these these sort of big box facilities inside of these chain facilities um that there that there isn't an opportunity for mentorship um so that so that when when there is someone in there who has a light inside of them or has an interest that you can go and pluck them. Um and that's why I also think that yoga teacher trainings can be really great because like you know what they really are for most people is continuing education to get like the the depth of it. So many of these people aren't teaching well, yeah. yoga so afterwards. Like, so so this is what so this is what I always tell people uh, who who are interested in yoga teacher training, which is I'm I'm really not teaching you how to be a yoga teacher. I'm teaching you how to be a yogi, and then you teach that word. Right. And so if you have an effective yoga teacher training, that's what you're doing. You're, you're teaching people how to or you're leading them down the path of how to become a yogi. And then the teaching itself, that that just comes naturally afterwards. Right? Absolutely. The hard part is learning to do the yoga. Um, and, and so I uh, that is that is where some of my concern comes from inside of these facilities it's not my concern it's just like a like i see the sorrow in the hearts of these other people who don't know where the yoga is inside of all of their yoga practice and it's because they're they don't have any opportunities to to dive deeper into their self-practice uh because um they're entering into a space with bias uh the the no one can say hey hey you get your head out your ass and and have it be taken in the spirit that it's intended um, because everyone is so concerned about safe space or, or getting a bad Yelp review or any number of things. And like a good teacher is, I'm not going to say it, like, is going to come over and go, yo, you're being a real fuck up right now. Uh, sounds, it, sounds very Kristen Crush. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Does it, am I channeling my teacher well? Um, but at the end of the day, like here, that's the thing about it. If we knew that we were behaving in a manner that was creating further suffering inside of us, most of us would stop doing the thing if we could see it. 
not everyone, but that's like the big thing about the yoga, isn't it? Like um, uh, a misidentification of, of pleasure as pain or pain as pleasure, really. And so like if we know that that's one of the grossest forms of ignorance that arises as a kalesha, like one of the obstacles to yoga, um, it's a teacher's job to dispel that when they see it happening. And you can't really do that because inside of these things because you're going to get a bad yelp. Um, and, and so, in fact, you start teaching something that isn't yoga in these places and then all sorts of other weird stuff crops up. Right. So let me, uh, so you were doing, you did, so Kristen, Christina Mays and then Kristen Crash. And when did you find Ashtanga? Oh. When did that happen? Was that, how many years on were you in, in your practice when you were like, oh, here's, like, here's this thing? Not, not, not quite 10 years on into practice. Um, not quite. Kristen, uh, man, I started coveting my asana in a kind of way, like, uh, and I wanted to stay in my postures, and yeah, I was a, I, I'm like about 200 pounds and 6'3 right now. When I, when I uh, started on, on like a health and fitness journey, I was about 300 and some pounds, and, and so that twist in my body, I was just at that point lean enough where my body could twist in that way mm -hmm. th that, that was affecting uh, to me, and and I, I'd always been a bit zoftig, and and you you have these ideas of like the gunas, hey, and so I I I have some Thomas Guna in me. I just want to sit around in my postures and not do a whole lot, um, and it feels oh so good, and no change inside of me happens whatsoever. I mean, I might make a better shape, but my no change inside of me happens whatsoever. And so Kristen, God bless her. I mean, God bless her. Uh, she was like, Michael. Listen, you got to You got to go do something else. You got to go do Ashtanga. <laughs> you got it. Um, do not do not go in and, and ruin my hard work with those vinyasa flow classes and show off either. I need you to I need you need to go. You need some breath and some movement because I was doing the Iyengar pranayamas also with like the rolled up blankets under your chin, the little washcloths and whatnot. And she thought a more vigorous practice would would create some change in me and in a way. And so she she sent me uh, to David Ingalls uh, and Keith Moore at the Ashtanga Yoga Center in Tenleytown. Mm -hmm. um, and David David teaches all over. He's an itinerant yoga teacher now, but they, they'd been making the trip to, to Mysore to study with Patabi Joyce um, since the early 90s, and, and they did the thing. And so um, I did exactly what she told me not to do. I went and I showed off at Stroga um, <laughs> quite a bit. Uh, I taught at Stroga at the time, and so I would, um, I would get high and go to yoga classes and just do arm balances, and no yoga was happening. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, but at some point, I... Uh, I wasn't, I could, I could tell that I wasn't being nourished on the inside. And so I did what my teacher told me to do. And I had a friend, uh, who was already doing it. He was like, listen, okay, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go, we'll go together. We'll put our mats down together. You'll take your cheat sheet. Um, and David's going to be really nice to you. And if you get lost, I'll be right there and you can, and, and, and you'll, and I'll help you. And it's going to be great. And, and, I was like, I was like, oh boy. So I went and I was still bartending and cocktail serving at the comedy club uh, when all of this was going on. So getting up at 630 in the morning to, to go to this thing was insane, but oh. I did it. it. It's still woof. Um, and, and I got there and David snatches my cheat sheet 
uh, away from me. He is not nice to me. And <laughs> wait, so you brought a cheat sheet to yoga class? I did. It's because like, like to take a yoga class. No, so it's like uh, so my swear style um, is predicated on memorization. Oh, I got you. I got you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so and so I I went in and I've I'd done the primary series many many times, um, but I just didn't know it by heart. Uh, and so I was like, well, I'll just take a little cheat sheet. I'm mean, great. And and like there weren't too many asanas in the in the syllabus with which I struggled. So I thought it was going to be awesome. And and I couldn't remember. I got nervous. I asked her, and then I got separated. Uh, and I liked how, um, no nonsense, but also, um, honest, how honest it all was. Um, I, you know, I don't like, I don't like niceness very much as a person. I, I value kindness greatly. Um, cause you know, uh, I know lots of nice bigots. I, I know a lot of, you know, it's just true. Um, I would rather, I'd rather the kindness. I'd like open heartedness and that's what, and it doesn't have to come in a in a candy coated exterior for me to like it just fine, and and that's what David provided no nonsense and and something about um, about the practice of Ashtanga Yoga because I came in strong and I came in flexible, I, um, but what I lacked was a certain kind of discipline. Discipline, yeah, that's uh, what to say, yeah. And and it and it fostered discipline inside of myself, and I got a taste of something that I I didn't know could be awoken, and um, and I had such good modeling. Kristen cutting me loose, saying, "Hey, I think you'll be better served over here." And and she's still one of my dear friends and mentors. Um, uh, there wasn't an ending to that relationship. There was a trusting that it was time for me to do something a little different, and so I did. Um, and that's really hard for a lot of yoga studios and yoga teachers um, because their bottom line is predicated on people not leaving. Yeah, yeah. No, one of the things I love is that um, is that when I have uh, a student and in, in my class, and they're in my class for you know a year or two years, um, and then like I don't see them for like you know six months or a year, and I'm like, well, where have you been? And like, oh, I'm uh, you know I'm going to take Mimi's class now over in Logan Circle, and I love going to that class, and I'm like fantastic fantastic like i love it you know like you found somebody else who's going to teach you something that is really nourishing you you know like you know what i provide you can always come back here but like you need this now and that's fantastic that's the way that's the way it should be right i mean like going from teacher to teacher getting what you need from that teacher and then you know and then moving on and just broadening your horizons you know i I, I've been lucky enough so uh, to work within within uh, established traditions. And uh, in, in I say lucky enough because there's a clear uh, way for me to progress in, in the, my learnings. Um, Christina sent me to study with her teachers. Uh, Kristen, the reason I know John Schumacher is because that was her teacher. I went to, I studied with him, and then and then when she thought that something would be would would help ripen me further I, I did that and then from there I did the next logical thing I went to Mysore India and studied at the Ashtanga Yoga Institute where they had all studied um, and, and and in that way um, I've, I've kept going I, and now I've found teachers uh, that are very very much my senior David and Rolf are you know D David's in his late 50s Rolf is in his mid 60s but Rolf, Rolf was a renunciate in his in his late teens. He lived on the Hardawar, uh, with with the with a Nagababa. Um, the guy's just been doing the thing um, for a long, long time. Uh, <laughs> I've got a lot to learn, and 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 they have allowed me the time and space to develop relationship where I feel a kind of um, I feel a very real student teacher relationship with them. Um, tell us about your experiences in India. Because uh, this is one of the things when, when Julia was on, she was telling she was, she talked a little bit about India, and for for a lot of us, 
you know, in DC and myself included, we just, we just don't either have the, you know, the guts or like the ability to, to take mostly the guts maybe to, uh, to take, you know, six weeks off or two months off and just go and learn like yoga in India or just, or just go walk around India and like hang out with like sadhus and, you know, do the thing over there. It's a thing you've been there multiple times now, right? Yeah. It's a thing that I do yearly. I've been doing it for like the last seven or eight years, uh, just going and taking three or four months and immersing myself. Um, first I was in Mysore in Karnataka and then, and, and over the last three years I I've gone to, to Goa, um, and stayed in Anjuna to study with, with Rolf. Um, I ran into Julia, uh, at a cafe in Mysore above uh, a, at this guy uh, at this lady named Anu's house um, that she makes like these banana smoothies upstairs in the afternoon and I ran into her there and I knew Julia because she used to date uh, a comedian who came by the comedy club um, Seton Smith he's, he's still a buddy um, Seton Smith's hilarious he was on Brooklyn Nine-Nine um, and Julia's amazing and she was doing her 500 hour at one of the yeah. one of the local uh, yoga hubs and you know it's a funny thing to me because the Ashtanga Yoga Institute uh, is so up its own ass um, because it is so how do you mean um, uh, how do I mean by that? Well, one, it, it, it takes it all very seriously, and it is very serious. Um, you uh, you get an accreditation from the Indian government uh, to, to teach yoga studies. Is that like, right? Yeah. So like, so I had to pay taxes on my education, and I have like like special cert, like I have like special stuff. And uh, and David, my teacher, David Garigas, um, has even more like higher level special stuff. Um, and it's all and it's all done through the Indian government. It's all it's all properly accredited. Um, and there. Uh, the in Mysore, in which was part of the kingdom of Mysore, where there was the Raj, the Woodyear Empire. Um, the Woodyears had a very keen interest in uh, philosophy and arts, and so they had like their own little Renaissance period uh, in the late eighteen, early nineteen hundreds, where the uh, the Raj threw the, a ton of money into it, and so Krishnamacharya was able to hone his skill set. For uh, Krishnamacharya was a teacher of BKS Iyengar. I know that you know this, but um, Indra Devi, um, Patabi Joy. Uh, Desikachar, um, uh, lots of uh, basically, he is the godfather or the grandfather of, of modern postural yoga as we practice it in the West, um, with a slight other nod to Swami Shivananda and Bishnu Ghosh. Um, but nonetheless, um, Krishmacharya was taken in as like the palace yoga teacher, and the man had more uh, educational certificates than 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 who knows what. Uh, he kn- Sanskrit, astrology, blah, 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 just like the man knew it all, um, and he knew that he knew it all from from every account about him. Uh, and, and, and so he taught at the palace and, 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 uh, BKS Iyengar and Patabi Joyce were students of his. And when, uh, Krishmacharya moved to Chennai, uh, that was actually the role that Joyce took over. And he was, he had been working as a professor, uh, at the Mysore college, uh, teaching Sanskrit and philosophy. And the Mysore college is one of the more respected, uh, institutes for that kind of thing there also. Um, but the money it's, there is so the, the culture there is so rich in art and philosophy because they pump money into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to allow these people to dig in and do the thing, um, and so like it, so for me, one of the the reason that I went to Mysore in the first place, frankly, was because I started to feel, as I imagine many yoga teachers begin to feel, like I was selling snake oil. Oh uh, yeah. Um, what am I doing here, like selling, like teaching this Indian practice, and I've never been to India. Right. What do I know about yeah. God? 
Like, what, what do I, what do I know about God? And I'm not even sure I believe in God, right? Like this idea. And what is a spirit? How am I finding this self? Why am I so sad all the time if I'm supposed to, you know, uh, I can touch my toes. Why do I feel empty? mm -hmm. That's precisely. Um, But yet I also, I also knew that things were, things were ripening inside of me and there was no denying that truth either. Um, I was becoming, I am becoming, um, more and more myself. Uh, um, I'm dusting the cobwebs off and I could feel that. But all right, what is this? Is this all malarkey? Is it all Lululemon? Um, is, is this just a way for people to sell products to, a, to an unknowing audience? And so I went. And, and you know, there's no, there's no peak experience to the thing, right? Like, um, it's so easy. I, I, I flew in, I called a car, I took the car to the place. I went over some bumpy roads, uh, and I, and I, and I haggled, uh, for, thanks an, for destroying my dream. Michael. Sorry, dude. It's just not special. It's not like, it just isn't <laughs> like, um, it is in your heart. Um, but the whole thing is just like, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstrap, solve a problem. You'll be fine. Um, don't act like, get your shit together. You'll be all right. Um, and, and that's just how it was. And so um, I went to the Ashtanga Yoga Institute. And one of the reasons that I was so interested in practicing there, not just because my teachers were there, but um, I couldn't wow anybody. Um, there was abs- No one was impressed. No one's impressed. Yeah. Um, not, not, uh, yeah, no, just nothing. Like my asana, um, seen it, done it. Yeah. Uh, my, my charisma, no one wants to talk to you in the first place. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Um, and, and that was so freeing. Um, it meant that my teacher was able to just teach yoga to me as it was raw. Um, and that it also meant that any praise or scorn that came or data that was collected was completely unvarnished or biased. And so I was able to start shaking off some of my own biases and take the information in simply in the spirit that it's intended as like yeah, data for my your, development. Your need to impress people to get self-assurance for who you are kind of got got evaporated um absolutely which is a great thing right um i'm I so mean, once you once you once you're once you're over the fact that you need to impress people to feel good about yourself a whole new world opens up but i tell you what you want to watch the you want to watch the clinging and the dying of that behavior in the weird ways it comes out oh, sure. you put yourself in a box like that to watch it sure. and all you can do is just watch yourself have meltdowns for seemingly no reason um and deal with it and and maybe want to start blaming everything except yourself mm-hmm. um and and then by the time that course passes you'll get another round of it too <laughs> but yeah. um but I found it. I found it great, and the, because so many people study at the Ashtanga Yoga Institute, it has to. Um, what is kind of an open-ended syllabus, like a um, that is just so adaptable, so infinitely um, modifiable um, to the individual. Um, it's taught in such a way where there aren't really a whole lot of modifications for individuality. It's quite specific in the way that it's done, mm-hmm. um, and and being inside of that container uh, was also just super helpful to to see that like wow it really can work raw unfiltered um and and i i enjoyed that that aspect of it also um i liked is that at the mysore is there a lot of is there a lot of philosophy and history and, and psychology at the mysore or is it just straight you're learning primary secondary etc cetera, etc cetera? it depends on so it depends on your own interest to many degrees. Uh, there's compulsory chanting in the afternoons or shortly. It, not afternoons. It feels like afternoon because you get up so early, but it's like 11 a.m. Um, it's like you up at 4.30, like doing this stuff. 4.30. Oh, 4.30 is your start time. And, uh, and oh. so you have to be at the shala by 4.15 every morning. 
Oh, uh, no, I do not like an early slot. Um, but no, so so there's chanting there, and then um, uh, because of the proximity to the Mysore College, uh, M. A. Jayashree and her brother and her cousin brother Narasimhan, uh, they teach chanting and philosophy there. So if you have an interest in it, uh, you can you can go and just dig in. Uh, you can pick up the sitar or the harmonium if you have. There's time. You have time on your hands to develop and to read. Um, not that not that many folks I think go to the to the palace to check out the books, but um, you know, there's the. Oh God, I would be there, like in the just. I mean, that's where I would be the whole time. The, <laughs> so the Anahata Research Institute, where uh, is run out of Jayashree's home, and what they're doing there is scanning in all of the banana leaves that's into fantastic. computers, um, because like you hear these old stories about these yoga books that were once there that are gone, and you're like, yeah, I don't even know if that book was actually real. Then you go and you touch these like decaying banana leaves, and you see the the work going in to get them. In into a data bank, not, not not read necessarily, just get them into the system. Right. And you're like, oh, this is a thing that's actually happening in the world. Um, we have a great collection of philosophy and art that's just dying every day in our hands. Mm -hmm. um, and so like for, for someone like you, you know, you, you go, you chant, uh, you, you discuss the philosophy. Um, and I then think I could care less about learning, <laughs> about learning how to do a, you know, you know, like how to learn do do triangle pose according to Ashtanga. I mean, no, I could, I could care. I mean, I definitely care about that. It's so, definitely fun, but well, so so the thing is, is no one's teaching you anatomy. No one is right. teaching you alignment uh, necessarily. Um, what you're learning how to do is 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 practice, um, and and it, it's an insight practice. You're learning the Tristananam, you're which is to say, uh, how to create out of three disparate points the looking place uh the breath pattern and the posture um a singular object of meditation which is the central axis of the body and how to how to best place it for you um, and the asana only increases in complexity as as your body opens relative to it so no one's coming over and being like now internally rotate your thigh bone and, and, and pull your left <laughs> your left hip bone back it doesn't work that way um again uh it's the the means are the end here so like it, it, you're not you're practicing for practice's sake um and you know if you hurt yourself practicing why did you hurt yourself that's your fault right yeah that's no one else's fault you felt pain and didn't do anything about it good let's review back to the clashes again um suffering is to be avoided anyway so that so so have you ever injured yourself doing yoga practice oh my god yeah of course Absolutely. You do you do anything three hours, two hours, one hour a day, every day uh, for 20 years, you're going to hurt yourself. It's not 20, but it's getting close, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I broke, I've broken my toe jumping out of handstands. Um, uh, my pelvic floor got tight uh, and I tore a hamstring because I, like, I had pelvic floor dysfunction um, because I, I, I didn't understand Mula Banda. Um, yeah, th those, are, those are some big ones. Um, but I also... Uh, I was assaulted a couple of years ago, um, and it was pretty massive, the amount of trauma to my body. Um, and so in relearning yoga practice with the trauma, um, bodies are clever, but they're not always wise. And so they'll do a thing because they can do a thing and through the point of least resistance. But sometimes when you're healing trauma, um, you have to go through the resistant place. And I didn't know any better. Um, and so... Uh, through repetitive practice and repetitive practice that, 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 that bypassed certain key things that needed healing, I had to cycle back. And I would say that maybe in that way, practice also uh, hurt me. But practice also is what woke me up to the fact that I had done it and gave me a, uh, and gave me a schema to relearn it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
So uh, one of the things we always we always talk about when we see each other is um, is uh, is cross training. Oh, yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah. In fact, the last time we saw each other was at uh, was at F forty five local uh, local fitness studio. Um, have you always done cross training, or was there? Let's put Was there ever a point where in, in in your life where it was just like I'm only doing yoga? It's only yoga. Yes. Uh, when I was studying at the Ashtanga Yoga Institute, uh, I asked my teacher. Um, about weight training and and my other physical exploits, and he told me to knock them off. Yeah, he told you uh, not to. Well, yeah. So so this is so this is what I have heard from. Uh, I think it was I think it was David Kyle when I did his rocket training. He said that like okay. he said that uh, that when when uh, the the Patabi Joyce had insisted when they when you do Mysore training that you 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 do the Mysore training and then you go back to your room and you sleep. You don't walk anywhere. Don't run anywhere. You don't want your body to tighten up. You just need to remain as 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 you know non-functioning as possible so you can do asana yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> um you know i never practiced with patabi joyce i studied with his grandson sharat joyce and this, so that's also the guy that when i when i say my teacher in my story that's who i'm speaking to speaking of is sharat joyce um and i was miserable uh, right, I was, that was my that was my follow up question. Yeah. I was like, did you miss it when yeah. you were only doing yoga? Yeah, and it, and in fact, I had to. It's such a funny thing. The yoga woke me up to the fact that the yoga um, was not doing what I thought that it was doing for my physical body, and it's actually it, it sent me back to PT. It sent me to like good personal trainers, um, and and I had to I had to figure out I had to have other eyes and work in other ways to figure out what was going on because I didn't know how to fix it myself. If I if I had, I would have. Um, and functional movement, man. Right. Um, back to your to, to to the question that you asked. Like first, I um, I I was a marathon runner. Uh, I I got into a car accident, which is how I started losing the weight. Uh, they had to wire my jaw shut, and I couldn't walk for like six months. Um, and I lost like thirty pounds, and I had to learn how to walk again. And as that process was going, I was like, ugh, finally something I can control. Uh, and so I started to learn how to jog and then I learned how to run. And I was dating this guy in my super early twenties who was training for a marathon. And I was like, well, okay, I guess like I'm, I'm, I'm running seven, eight miles uh, on a, on a go. I can, I can probably participate with you, with you in this training. And we broke up and then my ego got the better of me. I was like, I'm going to beat his time. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, and so I, what ended up happening is I ended up running like 10, 15 marathons over the course of the next 10 years. Um, and I loved it. And it wasn't until I had, uh, I, I did the a Vipassana sit, a 10 day silent Vipassana sit that I, that I realized that I was getting, um, probably more in the way of meditation out of my distance running than I had been in 10 years of asana practice. Yeah. That's what I always tell people is that, um, like, uh, distance events like running and um like swimming very meditative totally like you get into that breathing pattern and you get that calm like overwhelms you especially for me when i when i swim you know the bilateral breathing like going back and forth like my mind my mind just empties and i'm just so in the moment it's it's wonderful I, I i feel similarly and now and now it's easy to overlay that understanding into asana practice also um they, they go hand in hand so nicely and uh and honestly, like, uh, the, so much of what gets repeated inside of yoga classes is very limited knowledge. Um, and so a lot of... A lot of I mean, yoga... there's only so many ways you can move your body in Warrior Two. Right. 
Right. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, you, know, you, you know, people wonder why their shoulders hurt from down dog. And it's like, well, shrug your shoulders up to your ears. Do not pull them away from your ears. Shrug them up. You want to you want to elevate, you know, like these are the things that, 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 that should happen there. And they wonder why they can't handstand or, or, or why their wrists are always hurting. And and you, you would not you don't find you don't find anyone doing the snatch at an Olympic level who's pulling their shoulders away from their ears when that bar is over their head. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what? I, it's like, come on, team. These are this is the same thing. Exactly. Um, and, and in fact, my body, um, with, with the more cross training and the stronger that I get, um, the better and better I feel. And I don't really lose much in the way of flexibility. I, I think it's fantastic cross training, especially from um, because, you know, I don't I don't I don't teach Ashtanga. People don't know Ashtanga is a set sequence. So there's certain poses that you do. I teach more in the vinyasa flow style. Um, and one of the things I love from my cross training experiences is um I can come up with new ways to either explain postures they already know, or I can put twists on postures that I think could be better done, um, lunges, anything like that. You know, for a long time, I thought, for example, in Warrior Three, all I was doing was trying to balance on my leg. And then one day I did a single leg deadlift with a um, with the kettlebell. And I noticed how what I was really doing was I was rooting down into the ground with my heel and I was allowing the ball of my foot to counterbalance that heel, and I was using my toes to regulate where my body weight was going. And I was like, well, fuck me, that's warrior three. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I, I, I find similar overlap in the pistol squat and, yeah. and marichiasana. Like what the, the found, these are foundational archetypes of human movement. Um, and if your yoga practice is not, is not nourishing or developing these foundational archetypical human positions, you know, maybe your asana practice is a little, I don't know why you're doing it. Uh, yeah. But that actually is a little bit like the trip to India also, so what's going on here? For me, you know, while the trip isn't special, it's so important to see um, to, to see something that isn't Judaistic in, in real life and in full bloom um, and to see the way that, that, that these philosophies, the hetero-Orthodox Indian uh, darshans, these, these teachings that are so specifically Indian, the way that they are in, enmeshed in culture um, and not European white culture, uh, right, like it, to see it in action helps actually um, tease out uh, the realities of what yoga is, um, in, in in the way, and it helps us not appropriate it. It helps us appreciate it, so that we're not dressing up in Indian trappings for authenticity's sake. Um, but yeah, one of the ways that you have to do that is you actually have to see how it actually looks, so that you can tease out what's valuable, um, and then utilize the technology. Mm -hmm. So let's just say, because we we got to wrap up here. Um, if you can't go to India, give us book, website, podcasts, whatever that would be a resource that's that, that you go that you go to again and again, or something that would be valuable to students and teachers. Oh, I'll give you one that's great, and it's it's available to everyone right now at this moment. It's Swami J, um, like SwamiJ.com. He uh, he was part of the Bihar school. I think uh, he's based out of of Florida, and his website looks like it's from GeoCities, but it is. Uh, it is a click hole of nothing but yogic philosophy, and it is explained so well, and it is so well linked that any topic you want to touch on, you can go and lose a few hours just reading. That's fantastic. Um, 
one more for you is my teacher David Garigas has uh, has some online courses for non Ashtanga yoga practitioners, um, which I think is great for lowering um, for, for allowing access to um, to stronger practices um, for folks who know that they want more but don't know how to get into it and might feel intimidated going into a studio or live in a place that doesn't have it. Um, is that a website or is yeah, davidgarigas.com. Sweet. Um, and then uh, finally, if people want to get in touch with you, they just come to your, just come, just show up at Mysore one day. Yeah, you can check me out. So you can check out the Mysore program at dcashtanga.com. Uh, and I'm Michael Joel Hall, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-J-O-E-L-H-A-L-L.com. And you can find me at my website. Um, yeah, and I teach I teach Monday through Friday uh, in, in Columbia Heights. Uh, we're in residency at Pali Yoga. Our landlady is Abby Dobbs, who I think was just on your show. I know she was just on your show. Um, <laughs> and, and we love it there. Um, and everyone's welcome. It's a, it's a fantastic community. We have, uh, we have age ranges uh, from like 19 to 75, blind students, one-legged students. Uh, we, we, it's just such an amazing mix uh, of folk. And I think that uh, it is representative of, uh, of DC, um, which is not actually, I think, often the case in most yoga rooms. And I, and I take great pleasure in being there because anything overly normative makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and so I, it's a safe space for a lot of folk. And so I encourage people to turn up. It's really, uh, we'll, we'll learn together. That's awesome, Michael. Um, thank you so much for coming by today, brother. Oh, Chris, thank you for having me. This yeah. is really fun. I know. We'll, we'll have you back again soon. Um, all right. So uh, those of you who don't know, you can get in touch with me. Um, it's dcyogapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you have questions, concerns, comments, uh, feedback, you want to see any particular instructor or yoga teacher or whatever on the show, uh, let me know. Um, and this is uh, signing off, uh, Chris Parkinson, DC Yoga Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.